0: Boy, what a presence of the Lord that is in the house today. Praise God. Just feels like it felt here on Sunday, then Monday, and today. There's just a presence of God, Brother Scogli. Amen. I like what I feel here. Praise God. And it's a Wednesday night. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. doesn't matter to God. He's, he's the same on Wednesday as he is on Sunday. And God doesn't take a day off. He doesn't inhabit praises only on Sunday and not on Wednesdays. He inhabits the praises of his people And we are the people of God. Let's give him one more hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. I uh, just have one quick announcement here. Uh, uh, We're just, we are praying for uh, Brother and Sister Sellers and, of course, Kelsey. Uh, They are, they have been going through a very difficult time uh, for quite some time. And uh, he's a dear friend of mine and uh, Sister Sellers as well of my wife and I and, uh, we just hurt with them, uh, with what they've been going through, and uh, we know that God has a plan and a purpose uh, behind all the, the difficulty that they've been going through, but I, I just want us to be conscious of praying for them this week, that God will uh, just allow something to break in this to where they can uh, know exactly what's going on, amen. It's hard to know uh, what the uh, results are, you you try to figure out what God is trying to do, but. Uh, There is a plan. God's got a plan at all times. Amen. We know that all things work together for good, uh, but we're just going to trust him and believe uh, with them as well. Amen. I am going to uh, talk about a perfect heart tonight, and uh, I have seven uh, scriptures as my text. So uh, Brother Adam asked me what my scripture text was, and I said, well, I've got seven of them uh, that I'm going to read at the beginning. And so that's uh, probably a little bit too much to put on the screen Uh, But it is a a perfect heart that I want to look at uh, tonight. And I I know after living for God for 40 years, I am convinced that it is possible to have a perfect heart. I've watched lives. I've watched people uh, throughout the years. And I know when somebody has a perfect heart towards the Lord. Now, understand, I'm not saying that they are perfect. I'm not saying that they are above sin because the Bible says that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. So we know that, uh, you know, to be perfect in this life, uh, it is attainable, I, I guess. I just have not met one person in my entire life that is perfect. Amen. I've read about two of them in the Word of God, but or one of them that was uh, so perfect God took them. But other than that, that's about, that's about it. So chances are out of the billions of people that's been born, uh, we're probably not going to be perfect, but we can we, we can have a perfect heart. And the reason why I've got a lot of scriptures is because when you say something like that, a perfect heart, people are like, well, you know, that's impossible. But I want to prove to you in the word that we are expected or it is possible to have a perfect heart. And we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 17 and 1. And uh, Sister Beck, I'm going to be rattling these pretty quickly. So if you can keep up. If not, just skip over uh, Deuteronomy eighteen thirteen and go to Psalm one hundred one because that's a short one. And uh, but Genesis ch- chapter seventeen verse number one says, "And when Abram was ninety years old ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect." Deuteronomy chapter eighteen and verse number thirteen says, "Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God." Psalm 101 and 2 says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse number 4 says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of of David his father, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. In other words, Solomon was not perfect like his father, that he had a perfect heart, but Solomon did not have a perfect heart. God's command to be perfect is also found in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5:38: Be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Paul wrote to the church of Colossae in chapter 1 and verse 28. He said that we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. And later he added that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And one more scripture that I want to read tonight is uh, Peter also wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5. In verse number 10, he said, The God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So these scriptures, I know there's a lot of scripture, but I want to lay a foundation that it is possible to have a perfect heart. Amen? Now, let's define that. You know, we, we know that there's a whole lot of Scripture on the subject. I, I could have read more. But what exactly does it mean to have a perfect heart? I think that's a good question. Now, understand, again, I'm not saying that we are to be perfect in all of our deeds and all of our words and, and not make mistakes. That, that's going to happen because we are, we are flesh. We are people. I'm not, I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying we ought to. I'm not expecting to, but we do. Because that's just the way that we're uh, we're made. And so there is going to be sin. There's going to be mistakes that are made. But to have a perfect heart is something entirely different. Let's define what a perfect heart is not. A perfect heart is not a flawless heart. It's not a uh, a sinless heart. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have that old nature that's going to creep up sometimes and try to uh, rule and to reign in our lives. And that flesh just kind of lead us uh, down the wrong path or at least try to. Man judges perfection by outward performance, but God judges the heart and the unseen motives of the heart. Now, that's very key here. Whenever I say motives, that has a lot to do with the perfect heart. I'll give you, a, you know, some insight here. When our motives are right, when, we're, when, when our heart is right and when our intentions are right, that means that we are well on our way of having a perfect heart. Means that we've got that desire to get it right. Amen? Not just to get it right after we you know, don't want to get it right, but wanting to get it right from the get go, from the very beginning. Our intention, our motives are to make sure that we, we get things right. Now, of course, you know, God, we always, uh, there are some that say, well, God judges the heart. Doesn't matter anything about actions. Doesn't matter what we look like. Doesn't matter what we say or do. Well, the, the thing is, whenever we have good actions, Uh, Our our good actions will follow good motives if our motives are right if our heart is right then guess what? Good actions are going to follow and we're going to follow after what is in our heart what our motives are That's going to be the sum result of what we end up doing So it does matter what we do, but it all begins with the heart And so god he's more concerned about let me look at the core of who you are Let me look at your motives. Let's see what the intentions are first and then we can go beyond and, and deal with the, your, your mistakes and the things that you've said or done that, that you weren't thinking or you just made a mistake. As long as the heart's right, then we can get everything else right because you're on a path to try to deal with the truth and, God, I just want to get things right. And I'm going to show you a little bit of that in Scripture. David was said to have a, about him to have a perfect heart towards God. And the Bible says it like this, and this is very interesting, all the days of his life. Now, all the days of your life means that you have a, a heart that is right all the time, all the days. That, a guy, this is kind of random, but this is kind of interesting to me, uh, all the days. I mean, that's a lot of days, isn't it? There's some kind of actor, and I, don't, I don't, actress, I don't know who she was, but he, he just randomly told me this information. He said, do you know who so-and-so was or is? And I said, no. He was well. She uh, she was on sixty minutes, and uh, she remembers every day of her life. And she's like in her fifties or sixties, and she can recount every single day of her life. Anybody hear that? All right, there's a name for it. And she was a she's able to remember every single day of her life. I can't even remember this morning, Harley. <laughs> I'm seriously, or I'll think, what did I preach on Sunday? I I shouldn't say that because I you know it could be very offensive for you guys to say that, but sometimes i think of what, what did I even, what, what did I teach on last Wednesday? You know, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but this lay every single day of her life, and I know I'm a little bit off topic here, but I want to make a point here. David, the Bible says that all the days of his life, the Bible lets us know that he had a heart towards God. Every day, are you talking about the time that he committed adultery with Bathsheba? Are you talking about the day? Did he have a heart towards God when he had Uriah killed? That's what the Word says. See, the Bible also says that David had a heart towards God. He was a man after God's own heart. Now, now, we got a problem here, don't we? When I think logically and I start thinking, this guy made bigger mistakes than I could ever dream of, but yet the Bible says that he had a perfect heart all the days of his life. Even when he was sinning and making mistakes, he still had heart towards God. I mean, we got to deal with this tonight, don't we? We have to understand what we're dealing with, that the Bible says that all the days of his life, he had a perfect heart towards God, but yet he failed miserably over and over and over again. Now, the definition of a a, a perfection, according to Scripture, is completeness and maturity. All right? Completeness and maturity. Let's go a little bit deeper. In both Hebrew and Greek, the term includes uprightness and being obedient. All right? John Wesley thought of perfection, and John Wesley was a, a, a man that studied Scripture and was, uh, you know, in tune with the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. He said it is constant obedience. Hmm. So we, got to, we have a correlation here, don't we, between a perfect heart and being obedient. All right, let's go a little bit deeper here. In other words, a perfect heart is a responsive, complete, and consistent heart. It's continually regarding the desires of God. Amen. That's pretty awesome right there. Let's let that sink in a little bit. We are continually regarding the desires of God. It quickly and totally reacts to the Lord's wooings his whisperings, his challenges, his warnings, and it's always in tune. A perfect heart is in tune with the Spirit. Amen. It means that we're walking in the Spirit, that we're following after the spiritual things of God. Now, does that mean that we're always, you know, not going to make mistakes? Double negative there. Does that mean that we're we're always going to do what's right every single time? No, that doesn't mean that at all. It means that even though I made a mistake, I still have a heart towards God. It means that my heart is, God, I've got to make this right. I look at it for what it is, and I'm going to deal with it. In fact, Lord, the things that I don't even see that's not even surfaced yet, I'm going to deal with that as well by giving it to you, by allowing you to search my heart. And I'll get into a little bit more of that a little bit later. Now, this kind of heart constantly says, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. I want to hear what you have to say. And so whatever you want me to do, God, I'm going to do because I have a perfect heart. means that I regard you, Lord, more than I regard myself and my own desires and the desires of everybody else around me. Lord, you're my number one. I am your servant first. Amen. We have to be his servant first. We can't, I mean, we're going to serve one another. We're going to serve our families. We're going to serve our church. We're going to serve everything that we possibly can because the Bible lets us know that we are to be servants, but we have to be a servant to him first and foremost. In fact, I'll say this. If we can't serve him, we're not going to serve anybody else. It's going to be a very shallow, It's the motives are going to be different. They're going to be off a little bit because we are not serving Christ Jesus first and foremost. Now, there are three things that I think that, will distinguish such a, a perfect and a responsive heart by having that, that perfect heart. Number one, a perfect heart is searchable. And I want to look at First Chronicles chapter 28 and verse number 9. It says that the Lord searcheth all hearts. But that doesn't mean, just because He searches all hearts, doesn't mean that He likes what He sees. Amen? I can imagine when God goes throughout the earth, Brother Catelyn and sees the hearts of everybody, I, I can imagine he's very disappointed at what he sees. As he's searching, as he's finding, he's realizing that not everybody has a perfect heart. Not everybody even has a heart towards God or the intentions of having a perfect heart. But the perfect heart cries out like David did in Psalm 139 and verse 23 and 24. He said it like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. You know what this prayer demands? To be honest. That's where it all begins. If we cannot be honest in our prayers and our, 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 our goings to the Lord and say, God, I, I, I just want you to speak to my heart. Now, it's one thing to want God to speak. But whenever we want him to tell us exactly what's going on in our heart, we better be pretty honest. We, we have to assess the results in an honest fashion. We've got to make sure that, Lord, you know, this is what you're bringing to me. These are the results here. So an honest heart says, okay, this is what it is, and I've got to deal with it. In fact, I will say this. Just to say that prayer, you've got to have an honest heart. That means that you're willing to be exposed before the Lord, to have your heart just totally out there, and, God, you examine it. You do the, the deep work in my heart. That takes an honest heart. It takes an honest person to be able to say that in fact it takes somebody with the right motives doesn't it god just work on me don't i'm not worried about my neighbor i'm not worried about uh, my spouse or my kids i'm not worried about my my brothers and sisters and the lord but lord please just just work on me because god i know i'm the one that needs help that's an honest prayer isn't it we all ought to be able to say that prayer i think if we would say that prayer more often we'd get our eyes off of other people wouldn't we because we'd be like, oh, man, I got issues myself. <laughs> I think they have issues. Well, they don't even know the issues that I have, but I do. Because I asked God to search me, and he revealed to me the things that I have in my heart that I didn't even know was there. Now, I'm not being a downer here because I, I love and respect every one of you. In fact, I will say this. I believe that some of you have a perfect heart. I truly believe that. I believe that you've got a perfect heart. You want to always get it right before the Lord. Amen. Now, a perfect heart always desires for the Lord to preserve their heart and their relationship with their creator. God said to Jeremiah, he said, I, the Lord, search the heart. Now, the Hebrew meaning for this phrase is that I penetrate, I examine deeply. So when God begins to look at the heart, it's not a surface gloss over and just, you know, kind of a surface check, you know, check the heart out. Uh, situation. He is really going into the, the depths of the heart that we don't even know existed. God goes deep. He penetrates deep into the heart. And Paul even uh, agreed with this in his writing in 1 Corinthians 2 and uh, chapter 10. He said, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So the first thing is that a perfect heart is searchable. It goes right to the core. It gets to the bottom of, of what the truth is. Praise God. That's why I love living for the Lord. That's why I love walking with the Lord, because He gets it right no matter what. There's so much out there of deception and lies. It, it just seems like nowadays, and I say that, you know, but I, I really mean this. It seems like lying is almost a chic thing to do. It's so accepted. And if we're not careful, church, it can find its way in the church. Amen? Amen. And being deceitful or trying to, you know, make somebody think something whenever you're not really saying it, but you they're walking away thinking that's what what the message is or what you're trying to deceive them with, that, we have to be very careful with that. And so an honest heart is a, a heart that just, you know, it is what it is. Now, we have to use truth gently and carefully because, uh, you know, the, the sword of truth can cut and it can cut asunder and it can really do a lot of, of, of hurt and damage if it's not used in a, in a right way. I'm not saying we never, uh, uh, you know, use uh, uh, an untruth. We should never do that. But we need to be careful with the truth that we use. We need to let the Holy Ghost give us the, the words to speak that will be less maybe offensive without us trying to, you know, cut somebody and really tear them down. But yet at the same time, I would rather deal with somebody like that any day than feeling like I'm dealing with somebody that's being deceptive. Amen? So a heart, it lets us know that, that we are speaking things that are searchable in our heart we're being honest with what the spirit is trying to uh, say or do in our heart so we're being consistent with what the spirit is saying with what we are saying is what i'm trying to say so we are we're in tune with the holy ghost we're speaking and we're acting and we're flowing with what god would have us to do amen in in everyday life now jesus speaks about the depths of satan and this is another aspect of the depthness the deepness of the heart in revelation chapter 2 Uh, The word of God lets us know that the going down into and it talks about the going down into profound deepness of sin. So God is not the only one that's searching out the heart. The enemy does that as well. Jesus is saying in Revelation chapter two that evil goes down into the deep soul. It's roots reaching all the way down to hell. So as the Lord is trying to get to the bottom of our heart and, 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 and you know, do some examinations and, and exposure, if you will, so is Lucifer. But he'll try to manipulate it. He'll try to draw out that bad and manipulate it for his purpose. See, God's got a purpose for the church and for the people of God, but so does Lucifer. So this heart thing is a very important thing. Now, just as there are tremendous blessings with having a heart towards the Lord, there's also the, the association with evil things that can uh, uh, cause us to do just the opposite of what God would have us to do. Now, I believe there are new depths that the enemy has allowed to be exposed to our world today. And, and the problem is, is they're they're more secretive. They're more private. They're more in the corner, if you will, or in the darkness. You know, that's why you parents, uh, we parents, we have to be very careful with our children. There are things on, that, that com- on, on the, the Internet that they have access to, that they can't have access to, that would totally have blown us away when we were kids. And I'm going to park here for just a little bit because this is a this has gotten in our society and they are being exposed to things that are that are just beyond their ability to, to be able to, to handle. Amen. Now we can say, well, not in my home or not. No, I'm not saying it's in your home. I'm not saying it's in your home. I'm saying it's out there and it can be on the playground. It could be on a phone, it could be on another kid's phone. It could it's out there. So what we have to do is we number 1, we have to pray over our children like we've never prayed over them before. Amen. So then after that, after we pray and pray and pray and pray and constantly pray, we also have to isolate them from the things of the world and do our very best to put a hedge of protection around them, not only the Lord, but we've got a responsibility to do that ourselves. Amen? So any open door that we allow to, you know, uh, just a little crack of, of, a, of an opening for the enemy to get in, the Bible lets us know that he's going to search that out. He's going to do everything he can to, to, to plant that evil or whatever that Satan is trying to do in, in our children or even in our lives. I mean, I'm not just talking about our kids. I'm talking about us too. You know, regulate yourself, guard yourself, have accountability in your life as well because there's a lot out there. And it's such a secretive thing that the enemy is working in the, in the shadows and lurking in, in every way he can around the, uh, the, the, the darkness of our, of our hearts if there's darkness in there, and he'll try to expose that and bring it out. But on the flip side, this is where the Lord is saying that, you know, a perfect heart in any generation is a heart towards God. So it doesn't matter what you're dealing with, what the generation is, no matter what's out there, a perfect heart is consistent. It means that no matter the the sin or the depths of sin that's available, a perfect heart says, no, I don't care what the specifics of the sin is. I don't care what the specifics of the deception is. I've got a heart towards God. My motives are right. No matter what's going on around me, I still have a motive to live for God. I've got the proper motive. So a perfect heart is the same in any generation. It longs for the Holy Ghost to be uh, the guide, to, to search out the innermost depths of our of our hearts, to investigate, to dig out, to expose those things that are unlike Christ, those things that those those um, uh, traits that ought not to be in our hearts. They they oppose. They're opposed to the, to the covering of the Spirit, but they try to bring out the evil of the heart. All right. Now, oh, if you tonight have a a heart that hungers after the Lord and you've got that desire, you know your your motives are right. You're you're trying your very best, then you're probably well on your way of having a perfect heart. And you may have a perfect heart if your motives are right. If you're you're doing everything you can to live for God and get things right, then you probably have that that heart that's towards the Lord. Now, multitudes of Christians want a They want a blood covering, but they don't want the the blood to totally eradicate or to cleanse their heart. You know, that's the the doctrine that we hear preached a lot. You know, well, you know, everything's okay. You just you do your best and and you've got a sinful nature and it's going to everything's going to be okay because you you accepted Christ and and everything's going to be covered. That's not the doctrine we need to hear. That's not the kind of preaching I want to hear. I want to hear it directly. I want, to, I want to hear it. You know, the Bible says if you do this and you do that, the Bible says that you'll have your part in the lake of fire. Amen? You know why I want to hear it preached like that? Because, number one, it's the truth, and number two, it will save my soul. I don't want anybody just saying, oh, it's okay, you know, and feeding my flesh or feeding my, my weakness and saying, well, you know, you just do your best. And, and, you know, if you fail, you just just get back up. Don't let it condemn you. You know, I'm, I'm not saying condemn, but at least convict. Let's just get it right. Let's, if the Word of God says something is wrong, then then we need to hear it preached and, and hear it is wrong it is a sin. Amen. And with a perfect heart, we say, God, just tell me the truth because I want to live truth. Praise God. A perfect heart is more after the, the eternal security uh, uh, of or that covering that will allow that eradication to take place of sin, not just the covering. So the perfect heart says, I want to hear I want I want to be cleansed. I don't want to just be covered by the blood but I want to cleanse me from any unrighteousness that's in my heart. It seeks to be in God's presence, to enjoy that unhindered communion constantly. That's why David, who was referred to as having that perfect heart, he eagerly cried out, search me, O God. He wanted to enjoy a communion with the Lord. He wanted to enjoy a relationship with God that would allow him to make sure that everything was right between him and his Savior. Now, here's the, the sequence. In the Old Testament, we would see this over and over again in the Old and New Testaments. First, you have the covering, and that's, of course, the blood. Then you have the cleansing, that's the water. Then the commitment, we made that commitment to the Lord. And then there's the communion, okay? So all this is the, the, the process of what is to take place, covering, cleansing, commitment, then communion. But some people, they don't get past the covering. Hey, I've been forgiven. Jesus died for that, and it's a done deal. And so I'm here. I, this is as good as it's going to get. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've come to him and all the other things that I, uh, I've done in the past. I'll, I'll do my best, but I'm not promising anything. Well, that's just having a, a covering. There's no communion. There's no commitment. There's no change that's taken place. But a perfect heart says, God, keep working on me. God, make me what you would have me to be. Make sure that my light shines in this dark world, that I'm the authentic spirit of the Lord, amen, that's walking in this place, that my workplace or Walmart or wherever we're at, that I've got the authentic spirit of the Lord, amen, leading and directing my path, that I'm in tune with the spirit of the Lord, now, they desire that quick ticket to glory, no pain, no cross, you know, no cleansing, no sacrifice. And so they're encouraged by the, the false doctrine or the shallow doctrines that are out there that uh, jo- Brother Joe and I were uh, just talking about. So, but, but that's not good enough. That's not going to save our soul in the generation that we're living in. We need to hear the word of God. And not only that, it's one thing to hear the word of God preached. We've got to make sure that we have an honest heart and say, God, speak to my heart. I want to make sure that I get these things right now, you know, as well as I, the spirit searchings are not vindictive, but they're redemptive. You know, and that, that's what some will say that, you know, don't don't hash over those things. You, you don't need to be condemned. You don't need to feel guilty for those things. Well, yeah, you kind of do because it's sin. You know, and if somebody gets offended by that kind of message, then you know, they're no better off leaving the church than sitting there and still doing the things that they've done before if they don't allow the Spirit to work on them. They need to keep coming to where maybe one day they'll get a clue and they'll get convicted and that they'll pray through and and get things right. But they're not going to get things right if their heart's not right. If they don't have that desire to be cleansed and to live a life of holiness unto the Lord and be in tune with Him. Now, his purpose isn't to condemn us, but he wants to make sure that our transgressions are taken care of and, and uh, dealt with. Now, it is to prepare that whenever we have a heart towards God and we get things right and we regard sin and we look at things for what, the, what it is, that's when the Lord can begin to move. That's when he can speak to our heart. That's when he can use us. For, the, for his glory, for his kingdom, because he knows that we are going to be in tune with him and we're going to walk according to his perfect will. Psalm chapter 24 and verse number three says, who shall stand in this holy place? He that hath a clean, clean hands and a pure heart. And it he goes on to say, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. So it's beautiful to watch a, a, a perfect heart. And I'll tell you where it's beautiful to watch it is Right from up here. I, I, I have a great vantage point of the worship that went on here, went on Sunday here. It was absolutely beautiful to behold. I watched some that were in the back, in the, in the middle here, and just up front, of course, just the beautiful worship. And the, there was a piece, in fact, Monday night, I'll say this Monday night, uh, the Lord just continued to move from what we had on Sunday. Uh, the, the prayer was just incredible. I walked through the door. I got here about 635, and I mean, this place was just erupting in praise and worship. Beautiful. But I watched the, I, I usually walk down the aisle, and I just watched the beautiful worship that was going on. Nobody around, lights are kind of dim, and, and it was just a, a beautiful worship and communion that was going on uh, before the Lord. That is, that's a wonderful thing. That's that's something you cannot purchase with money to have that kind of peace, that kind of relationship with the Lord that you just want to worship him for who he is. There wasn't any kind of God, please do this, please do that. It was just a a beautiful worship unto the Lord. I'm talking about Sunday as well as on Monday beautiful worship. And I thank God for that type of of holy place type of worship where we are in the holy place, that our, our hearts are right with the Lord and that we are regarding him for who he is. Amen. It's beautiful. Secondly, a perfect heart is a trusting heart full of faith. And I want to look at Psalm chapter 22 and verse number four says, so our fathers trusted in thee, they trust, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. So over and over again, David testified. He said, in the Lord put I my trust. We looked up the Hebrew word for trust. It suggests to fling oneself off a precipice, a precipice. Just, you know, just off of a, a, a mountain or a hill. Just fling yourself right into the the arms of a a loving Savior is what it's saying. It's kind of like a dad saying, okay, jump, honey, I'll I'll catch you. And they just take that chance and they take that leap of, of faith. Well, that's really what it is. Whenever we begin to worship the Lord, we trust him. It means that God, no matter what is going on in my life, no matter what the pressure and the stress that I have, God, the difficult decisions I have to make, Lord, I trust you. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna obey you. That's what That obedience there, Lord. I'm gonna obey you because I trust you. My faith says that you're not gonna drop me, you're not gonna let me down. You're gonna be there for me. You're gonna catch me whenever I take that leap of faith. So contrast this with Christians who feel like the devil's, you know, uh, uh, that they're the devil's punching bag. You know, oh, you know I, that's all I am. I'm just the devil's punching bag. And, and all he does, he just lets bad things happen to me. And, the, you know, the, the devil just has his way with me. But first off, you are not the devil's punching bag. Amen? I'm going to say that again. You are not the devil's punching bag. You know how I know that? Because if you're living according to the word of God and you are a child of God, God is not going to let you. It'd be like me letting one of my daughters go into the playground and be bullied by somebody say, well, just, you know, just have your way with my daughter. Just, you know, just uh, take care of her. You know, uh, she's going to have to learn at some point to defend herself. What kind of parent would do that? It makes me mad just thinking about it. Amen. I'm telling you, if my kids are being picked on, that, that, would, that would get the blood boiling. There's just something about that that the teeth start grinding, and you're thinking, I'm gonna, why I oughta. Do you think the Lord would do anything different than the way we feel? There is no He loves his children. So don't ever say that you're you're being abused by the devil. The, the Lord will not allow that to happen. Amen. God, God, the only time God will allow that to happen is if He knows that's for his glory, for his kingdom, and he might let some things happen like Job. He took the hedge down, and then there are still limits on the devil. He said, just don't kill him. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, the devil probably thought, okay, right, deal. I can sure think of a lot of things to do to Job, and he did it. He sure did. And the Bible lets us know a messenger was sent by Satan to buffet the apostle Paul. God allowed that, but... But normally, God would not allow anything bad to happen unless it's for his glory or for his kingdom, for his purpose. And then we want to be in his purpose. Then we want to be buffeted. Then we want to be, you know, we may not desire it in our, in our flesh, but we want to be in the will of God more than anything, Sister Joy. I mean, that, that's, that's what we desire more than anything else to be in the will of God. So if it's God's will, then, you know, it may hurt, may, may sting a little bit, but I'm going to make sure that, God, I'm going to have the faith to trust you. I'm going to make sure that my, my motives are right, that my, my regard for you is higher than my regard for my own comfort and my own desires. Amen. Lord, help us to be able to be like that. Now, trusting the, with a trusting heart means that all my steps are ordered to the Lord. He is my loving father and he's got an eternal plan for me and a purpose behind everything that I have to endure in this life. Now, if we can learn to trust the Lord with a perfect heart, that means that when things go our way or not go our way, we're still going to trust him. Amen? Amen. We need to decide in our heart. I mean, when we're praying about something, we know we've got the possibility of being disappointed. Whatever it might be, and use your own imagination, whatever your desires are. If that doesn't happen, are we still going to be able to worship the Lord? Amen. I'm not wishing anything on anyone or myself, but there are going to be things that we are disappointed in, and God didn't come through or the way we thought He would come through. He answered our prayer, just not the way we wanted it. Amen. But you know what faith says? I'm going to, I'm going to worship you anyway. God, I, I, I don't like having people in my family taken away from me, or I don't like to see people in the church that are, that are hurting, that are going through hard times. I, God, I don't like it, but I'm still going to worship you. Lord, I don't like what's happening to me right now. I don't like this situation right now. Lord, but, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You're still worthy of my praise, whether it goes well or not, God. I'm still going to worship you. And that's what true faith is all about. And that's what whenever we're, we've been born again, see, we've been born again for the kingdom's sake. That means that whatever God wants to do for his kingdom, we signed up for because we died to ourselves. You know, I, I died to my own comfort. I died to my own my own way of calling the shots in my my own life. You know, and so when I died and I, I repented as the death, burial, and the resurrection, I, I died with the Lord. I gave Him everything. It means that I, I signed on the dotted line that said, God, whatever your purpose is, whatever your will is, whatever is best for your kingdom, God, I've got to be good with. See, that's how we got the Holy Ghost, because we were willing to die to our own desires. And when things don't go the way we plan it, but yet we know that God has a purpose. And there, there are some things, I'll, I'll be honest with you, that I, I'll never be able to explain here on earth that have happened. I, I don't get them. I mean, there's some things specifically in our, in our life that I, I cannot tell you why God would do that. And I'll probably never have the answer down here. But he's still worthy. Amen. It means that he, he knows best. I do know that, but I just don't get it. I can't answer it. So instead of asking why, I can say, what am I going to do right now? You know, I can, we can live, I, I even said this at the funeral on Saturday, we can, we can say why, 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 and all day long we can say why this, why that, why did that happen? And a lot of times you, we don't get an answer. It's okay to ask, you know. Jesus asked it on the cross, my God, why has you forsaken me? So he asked the question too. So, so we can ask it, but usually God doesn't answer but the better question, a wise man said, is what do we do now? What now? What's the next step? Are we still going to be worshipers? Are we still going to have our faith? Or are we going to get bitter and disgruntled and, and, and lose our way because we don't understand why he did what he did? See, a perfect heart says, God, I don't get it. In fact, I'm very upset about it. And I'm going to let you know how much I am upset about it. But when it's all said and done, you are my Lord and you're my Savior. Amen. And I regard you, Jesus, with a pure heart. And I will follow you and I will do anything you ask me to do. That's what we signed up for. Amen. The final one, the final way to have a perfect heart is a broken heart. And that doesn't sound too exciting, does it? A broken heart. David said it like this in Psalm 34 and 18. The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. He also said in Psalm 51 and 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Now, brokenness is more than weeping. It's more than sadness. It's more than having a bad day. It's more than just having a, you know, something taken away from you. It's a lot deeper than that. And I began to look at the, the word brokenness. And it really uh, actually means uh, that true brokenness, what it does is it releases the heart. Because what happens is that whenever we become truly broken, and I don't mean broke as in damaged, but I mean broken before the Lord, where we are open to just believing and trusting in Him. When we begin to do that, what happens is that brokenness opens up the door for God to move in. That's the key here. Brokenness is a funny thing. You know, tears and crying can be a a funny thing as well. What, What causes the tears is just devastating, but it's so purging as well. There's something about, and they say there's some kind of endorphins or something in the tear ducts and the tears that cause you to to be consoled and feel better i don't really know a whole lot about that very well could be possible but i do know that brokenness kind of produces the same thing you know we could be mad over something that breaks but not be broken but brokenness says that god i'm i'm willing for you to come in and fix this it's so bad, God, that I really don't have a choice. But I really do. I can either respond in anger to you or I can allow you to come in and begin to fix what has been broken. I, I looked at this. True brokenness really is the, the power to restore the ruins, is really what what has what taken place. Because whenever God began to uh speak on, on brokenness, you'll be interested to look in Psalm chapter 51. In verse number 17, he associated the walls of Jerusalem with brokenness. This is very interesting here. And, and believe it or not, the walls of Jerusalem are mentioned in the Psalms. So there's a, there's a link here, and I'm going to tell the story about the, uh, uh, the, bro- the broken walls of Jerusalem. But let's read first this Psalm chapter 51 in verse number 17. It says, "...the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God." thou wilt not despise, do good in thy uh, good pleasure unto Zion, which is the church, build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah was called to oversee, remember the story, re- oversee the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Whenever they were torn down, uh, he was he, that was his responsibility to come and, and build, rebuild the walls. Now, in the dark of the night, the Bible says that Nehemiah had viewed the the wall. And according to Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse number 15, there was some weeping that went with that. A lot of sorrow that had taken place when he saw, when he really viewed the walls for what they were, he became sad and became broken. There, the Hebrew word shabar in this scripture, as well as Psalm chapter 51, is it means a broken heart. Okay. He wasn't broken because the walls were broken. Now, he's probably sad about that, but this meaning of brokenness is so much more deeper. And if we're not careful through our brokenness, we will miss God doing a work through that brokenness. But it's up to us to have a perfect heart. A perfect heart says, and I'm going to I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but a perfect heart says, God, I want you to to come and get involved with with this brokenness. God, it's so bad that I'm I'm, I'm tempted, Lord, to either be angry at you and shake my fist at you or to say, God, I I really need your help. You know, there's a fine line there. And you know, that line can be, you know, crossed over a a few times at the initial reaction of, of brokenness. When it's that devastating, there can be some anger, there can be a little resentment or a lot of resentment. There could be that shaking of the fist almost and, you know, really being tempted to to question the sovereignty of God. But we better really get our bearings pretty quickly and get our faith real fast and get our heart right because God is there to help us through our brokenness. And this is where Nehemiah was. And so some would think that Nehemiah became broken when he sat down and wept and mourned. Certain days, the Bible says, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven, the Word of God says. Yet his weeping and his confessing were just the beginning of the breaking that, God, that got God's attention. That was just the beginning. The prophet's heart wasn't fully broken until he came to Jerusalem. Until he saw the ruin and he set himself to do something about it. He had heard about the ruins, but when he got there... Man, they, they didn't even tell half the story. It's devastation. It's ruins. You know, the, the word ruin really tells the whole story. It's ruined. There's nothing to rebuild. There's no hope whatsoever. And so the prophet's heart, it was broken. Word spread just all throughout the, the country that there came a man, the Bible says, uh, to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So there's a man that was not there just to mourn with them. And to be sad with them, you know, he was there to help. He was there to do something about it. So Nehemiah rode on donkey around the outside of the of the of, the, of the, the walls. He viewed the ruin, had a broken heart. And so his heart was breaking, though, in two ways. First of all, the anguish of the of the results of the of the wall itself. Yet I believe also uh, burst there was some kind of hope within him that began to be born. And but the the two the two breakings, two uh, brokenness here that I want to talk about, two ways that he was broke is that he, he felt that desire, that anguish, that hurt uh, de- or that desire for something better to happen, for God to rebuild the walls for, you know, get kind of get back to where it was before, you know, because it was sad. It, it's just sad to see, you know, a store that you used to go to as a kid, you have fond memories and you just see that it's just uh, it's closed down. You know, there's places in Belleville that I remember going by, and uh, one was uh, uh, just right at the belt line there. It was uh, uh, just a a place that we had, I can't even think of the name right now, but they, they just, it was like a diner. And I remember as I grew up, you know, that, that building just sat there year after year after year, and I dreamed about somebody reopening that place, because you have a link to your childhood. You like the, the memories of the childhood, and so I, I always dreamed about somebody reopening that place and, and serving that great chili and those shakes and, and, you know, kind of reliving that moment again, but never did. It was just sad. It, it closed down. It was, it just, finally, they tore it down. They got rid of it. I believe that Nehemiah was feeling the sadness of that brokenness and the memories of what he had before and what they had experienced, the the beautiful walls of Jerusalem, the anguish that he was experiencing. But then, number two, the second part, was that all his brokenness was leading to another element, and this element was hope. And a person that has this hope within them says that, I serve a God that will heal, amen, he will restore, He will make it better than it was before. See, that's what sort of happened in Nehemiah. Yeah, he was sad, you know, reminiscing and nostalgic about everything in the past. But then he said, wait a minute here. It's total ruins. It's devastation. God's got a great opportunity here to rebuild it better than it was before. You know what? There's some things in your life and maybe some family members that you know that it just looks like a total disaster. and There's no way. You you look at it for face value. You say, that is sad. That's devastating. That's a, a terrible situation. But then you start looking and say, but you know what, God? I am so broken over this. And I know they are broken over this that, God, I just invite you to come down and and just to start remaking, rebuilding, reshaping, remolding, God, all this ruins and devastation, and make it what it was before but even better. And you know what? There's some things that you might be going through right now, and you don't know what to do with it, but God is able to breathe life back into your situation. Only God can do that. Now, I know this took a different turn, and I was talking about a perfect heart, but I want to let you know there are benefits to having a perfect heart. It means that, God, I've got things right with you, and, Lord, I trust you. And and it's so bad and so devastating right now that, Lord, my perfect heart says that you are able. I've got faith in you, God, that you can rebuild and reshape everything that's been broken in my life. Amen. And I look, at, I, I look at some lives and, and I'm not, you know, here to, to just glorify sadness and brokenness. But, but there, there are some brokenness. There's some, there's some sadness that, that people have gone through and are going through. But I would encourage you. You need to just be honest with the Lord and say, God, look at me for who I am. God, look at look at where I'm at right now. God, it, it's it's devastating. I don't even like to behold my life right now because the situation is just tearing me up. But Lord, I want you to know that I will always live for you. No matter what I have to go through, God, I'm going to keep my faith and I'm going to keep my confidence, God, and, and I'm going to push on and I'm going to have faith to, to endure these difficult days right now, God, because I know that you are holy and you are righteous and, and you are my Lord and you are my Savior, God. But I just ask you to come in and restore and rebuild and help me to be what you would have me to be. Amen. As we stand together, I believe that God has a, a desire to do something great in people's lives and that totally that total shattering of our our human ability sometimes is what he's looking for and that's where God does his best work amen not in our ability but in his ability whenever we're just saying God I you know I, I proved it I this is this is beyond my ability to even begin to clean up the mess let alone rebuild God I, I can't even clean up this mess right now and that's when God comes in and says, "Let me show you what I can do i'm your I'm your lord i'm your I'm your dad, I'm your father, and I'm the one that's going to help you through this tough time. I feel tell somebody that you know you you need to reclaim your walls you need to reclaim the the brokenness amen and and there's some you know and I'm not trying to make you a focus here and there's more than one person here that's that's gone through some brokenness, and maybe even in the past. The devil's try to bring up some things and just you know point that accu- that finger of accusation against you and say that yeah, that's who you really are. That's not who you really are. You just you just are going through a tough time, and, and you're you're just looking at ruins. But don't let the devil fill your heart with that that garbage because that's what I talked about. The devil's doing that too. He goes deep into the heart and he will try to do what he can to to bring out the the feelings of the heart or the hurts of the heart. And he'll try to manipulate him against God. But you just say, Lord, you do the same thing, God, but you're going to get the glory out of this because you cover you cover all this stuff that maybe you made some mistakes in the past. Maybe you've done some things recently. But you know what? You just need to repent of your sins, number one. You need to just make it right and say, God, I'm sorry. And I mean really make it right and go the opposite direction. When you repent, you go the opposite way. You're not just sorry. You make a commitment to do something different about it. Amen? That's true repentance. That's having a contrite heart. That's having you detest the thing that you did, and you're going to go the opposite way. Amen? Amen? And if you do it again, you detest that thing and you repent. You go through the whole process again and you walk the other way. And then you say, God, if rebuild me, remake me, make me what you would have me to be. And you know what the Bible the Bible says, as Nehemiah said, he said, it's time to arise and rebuild. I think that somebody's here today that needs to do that. You just need to get up and rebuild with the help of the Lord. Because God's the only one that's going to help you rebuild. If you rebuild, it's going to be shoddy work. It's going to be compromised. You'll be taking shortcuts. Listen to me. You'll be taking shortcuts. If you're in charge, you'll take shortcuts. and It's going to be shoddy work. But if you let the Lord help rebuild and you arise and you get out of your doldrums and and, you know, you say, hey, I just I need you to be patient with me. I'm going to walk with with you. I'm going to do everything I can to to be a part of of God's process. And you let him take over. He'll take your ruins and he'll rebuild them and he'll get the glory out of it. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We need to just say, put a sign up and say, beware the Lord at work. <laughs> beware devil. The Lord's at work in my life. You know, I, just stay away. If you don't want to, I mean, he'll take care of you. There's a, there's a hedge around me right now. There's a hedge of protection around me and that nothing's going to penetrate that. Nothing's going to get through Because I've got that hedge around me. Amen. I'm rebuilding with the help of the Lord. I've already mourned it. I've already been sad. Now it's time to to be broken before the Lord and say, now, God, refix me. God, I'm yours. I'm your problem, Lord. Right? When we give our heart to the Lord, see, we gave ourselves to him, so we're the brokenness in his hands. We're his vessel. Do you think he wants to have a broken vessel that can't be used? That's not God. He's perfect. He gets everything right. He puts everything back together. We just need to relinquish our control to him and be, what did I say at the beginning? Obedient. That's a perfect heart, Sister Chastain. You've got to be obedient to have a perfect heart. And if we're obedient to the process and to the Lord, then God's going to reshape us. Amen. One more time, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your blessings tonight, God. Lord, thank you for your people, Jesus. I pray, God, that you'll help us, Lord. Rebuild us, God. Make us what you would have us to be, Lord. Reshape us, God. Remold us, Lord. I pray that you'll take the ruins, God, and you'll put lives back together again, Lord. Help us, God, to know that all things work together for good. Help us to be satisfied, God, with your work, Lord, with your process. And, God, I know at the end we will be satisfied, Lord. We will have thankful hearts, God, where we give you all the praise in the name of the Lord. God bless you. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord amen you're worthy of praise Jesus thank you Father amen amen God bless you you are dismissed in Jesus